Section 21 of U.S. Money versus Corporation Currency, Aldrich Plan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melanie Young. U.S. Money versus Corporation Currency, Aldrich Plan by Alfred Owen Crozier. Chapter 18. Bank Credits versus Government Currency. Banks increase cost of living, business done too much on credit and too little on cash basis. There are two ways of doing business. One is to pay in cash, the other with credit, bank checks, notes, and drafts. In cash transactions, it costs the people nothing for use of the medium of exchange employed, the money or currency, because the government coins or prints and issues it without charge. In credit transactions, and by credit we do not mean trusting or selling on time, settled by check, note, or draft, the banks always receive a profit for the agency used as a substitute for money. They either get interest at 6% or other going rate on the promissory note discounted to create a book account against which the checks are drawn or exchange to pay for New York or other drafts used in place of cash. In New York City and some other places, banks profit double. They get interest on the note discounted to create a checking account, then they charge for all outside checks drawn on similar accounts in other banks when receiving such checks for deposit. This plan gradually is being extended throughout the country, and when customer checks out, say, but half the proceeds of the discounted note, the bank receives the equivalent of double interest, or 12%. Offsetting this is the 2%, 3%, or 4% interest paid by banks on deposits, but usually this is only on cash or time deposits, represented by certificates of deposit. Few banks pay any interest on checking accounts created by discounting notes or depositing the checks of other people. They can well afford to pay that small rate on deposits of cash because the cash becomes part of their cash reserves and enables them immediately to swell their loans of credit, an amount equal to about 10 times such cash. For example, a bank may pay 3% per annum on a cash deposit of $1,000 because it at once then can charge and receive 6% yearly on $10,000 of extra loans of credit. This is the inside, mysterious, and crocious-like holy of holies of the banking business. Two things must be obvious. One, it is for the financial interest of the banks to have the people do as little business on a cash basis and as much on a credit basis as possible, because banks supply all of the credit mediums of exchange and receive a good profit for doing so. Two, it is for the financial interest of the people to do as much business on a cash basis and as little on a credit basis as possible because the government charges the people nothing for producing the cash for them and banks always charge for the use of credit. The development of business methods and practices have grown, 
or been so engineered by the banking system that the relative proportion of cash transactions has steadily decreased and credit transactions increased until now it is conceded that of all business at least ninety-five per cent is done with credit and but five per cent with cash this is partly due to the convenience of checks instead of cash less bother in some transactions but more to the constant temptation and encouragement by banks to solvent customers to overexpand their business by using credit instead of actual capital for it is easier to go in debt to a bank than to provide cash capital to carry on a given business some idea of the size and weight of this bank burden upon the people and their business activities because of the use of bank credit instead of cash almost exclusively in all of the business transactions of life may be gathered from the official report of the one hundred and forty clearinghouses of the united states for the year to september thirtieth nineteen eleven according to the u s comptroller's report of december fourth nineteen eleven in one year the volume of business settled by bank checks and drafts that went through clearinghouses not including checks cashed by banks on which they were drawn was the colossal total of one hundred fifty nine billion three hundred seventy three million four hundred fifty thousand dollars almost one hundred and sixty billions of dollars all of the annual crops of the soil are worth only seven to nine billion all of the money in the united states june thirtieth nineteen eleven coin and currency in circulation in bank reserves and in the treasury was only three billion five hundred and fifty five million nine hundred thousand dollars the total capital known and estimated on june seventh nineteen eleven of the twenty eight thousand five hundred and fifty one banks and trust companies of the united states national seven thousand two hundred and seventy seven other reporting banks and trust companies seventeen thousand one hundred and fifteen was but two billion thirty two million four hundred and eleven thousand three hundred and fifty one dollars their surplus and undivided profits being mostly excess profits earned but not divided and paid out as dividends two billion one hundred five million five hundred seventy four thousand eight hundred and thirty nine dollars deposits sixteen billion five hundred fourteen million seven hundred thirty thousand three hundred and fifty one dollars circulation or banknote currency six hundred eighty one million seven hundred forty thousand five hundred thirteen dollars making the total banking power of the united states by comptroller's report twenty one billion three hundred thirty four million four hundred fifty six thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars an increase during the year of two hundred and eighty five million two hundred and twelve thousand four hundred and seven dollars or over thirteen per cent so the banking power entire money supply and total value of all crops combined amount only to less than thirty four billion dollars or twenty one per cent of the nearly one hundred and sixty billion dollars of credit represented by reported bank checks in one way or another this entire business is made to yield such profits to the banks that they have been enabled to accumulate chiefly from excess net profits two billion one hundred five million five hundred seventy four thousand eight hundred and thirty nine dollars of surplus and undivided profits or more than their total two billion thirty two million 
$411,351 capital, besides steadily paying unusually large dividends. While many banks annually earn 10, 20, 50, and some 100% net on their capital stock for the year ending June 30, 1911, the average dividends paid by all of the national banks was 11.38% on their capital stock, and their average net earnings was 15.57%. Cost of Living Increased It would be interesting to know, and highly illuminating, just how much higher the cost of living has been made by this use of $160 billion of bank checks as a substitute for government currency as the chief medium of exchange in American business. Every dollar paid by a businessman to the banks for such credit is added as an item of cost and increases correspondingly the price of commodities to consumers. Therefore, all of these rich and increasing profits made by banks are saddled directly upon the people. There is no way for them to escape this burden. It increases the prices of food, clothing, everything they buy. Advocates of a protective tariff claim that it tends to bar out the products of cheap foreign labor that, if admitted free, might tend somewhat to beat down prices and benefit consumers but that it would thereby injure labor and agriculture by requiring less of the products of American factories and farms. And, of course, working men and farmers comprise the larger portion of the consumers of the country. Also, that if local industries do not combine into trust or otherwise conspire to eliminate all genuine competition in order to keep prices high, the tariff, by keeping out foreign products, may encourage the starting of so many industries in this country, employing American labor, that prices to consumers actually will be lowered instead of increased. This notwithstanding the tariff, because such local industries in competing with each other, if competition is real and unrestricted in order to get the business naturally, will make low prices yielding only reasonable profits. At least this is the theory of protection. But a tariff not fixed by Congress levied upon 95% of all business by the banks in the form of charges for credit, can in no way be avoided by the people unless the volume of government currency is increased and the people do business more upon a cash basis. It should be remembered that the entire foreign commerce on which tariff is collected is less than one-tenth of the volume of domestic commerce on which the banks levy their credit tariff. The foreign commerce of the United States in 1911 was exports $2,013,549,000, imports $1,527,945,000, balance of trade $485,604,000, total $3,541,494,000. The entire foreign commerce, exports and imports, of the 29 leading nations was $30 billion, or less than 20% of the $160 billion of checks that went through the clearinghouses of the United States last year. The total value of all manufacturers of this country in 1909 was but $20 billion. And this bank-levied tariff may be duplicated many times on the same article. 
if the expense of producing the raw material the selling price of same the freight on it to the factory the cost of working it into a finished article the labor cost the expense of administration and selling the freight to the wholesaler the price paid by the wholesaler the freight to retailer the price paid by retailer and the price paid by the ultimate consumer are all settled by bank checks it will be seen that to a greater or less extent the banks get the chance to make ten assessments for use of their credit against that one article perhaps it is a common everyday household necessity and the whole ten assessments are added to the price and paid unknowingly but invariably by the consumer the consumer pays it all and the banks get it all no one else profits a dollar from the sale of bank credit and whatever decrease of the use of bank credit may occur by reason of increase of the volume of business done on a cash basis the whole loss will fall upon the banks and the entire benefit will go to the people in the shape of lowered prices on all the things they must purchase have we not now smoked out the senegambian in the woodpile that always has and always will cause banks to fight the issuance of currency by the government and particularly any serious increase of that currency whether it be uncovered greenbacks or treasury notes secured amply by a gold reserve and the true although concealed reason why now they are trying to get congress to prohibit the government issuing any currency at all and to grant a monopoly of the issuance of all currency to a private corporation owned by the banks then they could make the people pay for the use of the pocket money they own as well as for use of bank credit and the banks would get the other five per cent for which so long they have hungered then they would get a rake-off on one hundred per cent instead of ninety-five per cent of all business transactions carried on by the people with power in the banks to increase at will the size of such rake-off right now the banks by clearinghouse agreements are extending throughout the country the new plan of charging exchange on outside checks deposited by their regular customers if this becomes general as it will if businessmen submit if the rates charged were applied to the whole 160 billion it and other new charges would increase the bank tax on business and commerce an amount nearly equal to half of the annual cost of running the government of the united states it is not proposed or desired to abolish bank credit or arbitrarily curtail or unduly or unfairly restrict its supply or use nor is it intended to diminish or limit the legitimate profits of banks by law so long as they deal justly by the people giving them good service at reasonable cost and exercise their law-given privileges and powers honestly and impartially for the general welfare but it is proposed and demanded that banks shall keep their restraining hand off the people's supply of public currency that they shall stop every attempt and action that tends to compel the people against their will and interest to buy more bank credit and use less government currency laws should not be framed as at the instigation of the banks they have been to force the people to do more business on a credit and less on a cash basis solely to increase the profits of the banks at the cost of the people on october thirty first nineteen eleven seven hundred forty four million seventy one thousand seven hundred fifteen dollars of banknote currency was in circulation not a dollar of gold secures this vast bank currency banks won a gold reserve only behind government currency 
Banks pay this out over and over because it is not lawful money, is no good in their cash reserves, and because upon every dollar they are making a steady profit so long and only while it is out of their hands and in the hands of the people. The people do not have to accept banknote currency because it is not a legal tender. Since December 21, 1863, the date of the first issue of National Bank Circulation, banknote currency of the value of $5,460,186,435 has been issued by national banks that have received therefrom, while it was out and unredeemed, steady profits that were paid by the people. If this had all been government currency, the banks would have made less and the people would have paid less because the government would have asked no profit for supplying such currency. It is thus seen that banks do not object to paper currency. They only object to the government issuing it without profit or at all because whatever government currency is issued reduces the quantity of bank currency and credit used, and this decreases the profits of the banks. All that is now asked is to lift the bank embargo on the free play of currency so that the people can use just as much or just as little such government currency and purchased bank credit as they desire. Let the law of supply and demand be the sole regulator, the will and preference of the people determining the proportion of business to be conducted with bank credit and the amount to be done on a cash basis. Let the Monetary Council, hereinafter suggested, establish and enforce a square deal between the banks and the people, the government issuing all of the currency and the banks all of the credit, the people to use as much of each as they desire. Is not this right, businesslike, and just? Every dollar of currency so issued will be made sound, guaranteed by the government, redeemable in gold, backed by an adequate gold reserve and always kept equal in value with gold. The banks cannot question the soundness of such a currency or frighten the people with the old cry of irredeemable paper money, inflated unsecured greenbacks, rag baby, etc., for it will have all the security proposed for the Aldrich plan currency and the direct guarantee of the government besides. End of chapter 18. Recording by Melanie Young.